Hello, and welcome to the turbulent world of Middle East soccer, or Mid-East soccer podcast. I'm your host, James Dorsey. A draft U.S. resolution that would designate a Pakistani militant as a global terrorist threatens to be China's and possibly Pakistan's showdown at the OK Corral. The draft is supported by Britain and France. The resolution, if formally tabled in the full United Nations Security Council, could force China to justify its 10-year-long blocking of efforts to designate Masoud Azhar, the head of Jaish-e-Mohammed, the UN-designated Pakistani group believed to be responsible for last month's suicide attack in Indian-administered Kashmir. Some 40 Indian paramilitary personnel died in the attack that briefly brought Pakistan and India to the brink of war. China earlier this month blocked a French draft resolution presented to the Council's 1267 committee, saying it needed more time to study evidence against Mr. Azhar. Known as the Al-Qaeda Sanctions Committee, the committee was established on the basis of Security Council Resolution 1267, adopted in 1999, to create a sanctions regime for Al-Qaeda and the Taliban. China has in the past said there was insufficient proof to list the Pakistani militant. In response to the U.S. draft, China's foreign ministry this week said that a comprehensive and thorough assessment was needed before blacklisting Mr. Azhar. The United States, by circulating the draft weeks after the failed French attempt, is in effect saying that China can no longer buy time. The U.S. draft amounts to an effort to put on public display seeming contradictions in Chinese as well as Pakistani policy. To be sure, China as a permanent Security Council member is likely to veto the U.S. draft if it were to be put to the vote. The veto, however, would put to rest Chinese assertions that Beijing has so far not vetoed Mr. Azhar's blacklisting, but put a hold on the application to promote proper settlement of the issue through dialogue. The Chinese position was supported by Pakistan's UN ambassador, Maliha Lotti, who cautioned that the Security Council's terrorism sanctions regime and the Financial Action Task Force, or FATF, an international anti-money laundering and terrorism finance watchdog should not be used by powers as a tool to score geopolitical points. Mrs. Lotti was pointing fingers at the United States, but stopped short of explicitly mentioning it. Pakistan has been the principal victim of terrorism, including that supported, sponsored, and financed from abroad but this has not diminished my country's resolve to eliminate the scourge, Mrs. Lotti insisted. Pakistan's support of Chinese obstruction of Mr. Azhar's designation casts, however, a further shadow over the Islamabad government's so far unsuccessful efforts to convince Fatah 
that it is addressing the group's criticism. Fatah had threatened to put the South Asian state on its blacklist. Fatah's regional affiliate, the Asia-Pacific Group on Money Laundering, this week took Pakistan to task for its allegedly weak implementation of measures against proscribed groups, a failure to satisfactorily address Fatah's concerns could impact Pakistan's application for a financial aid package from the International Monetary Fund. Pakistan denies Indian claims that Jaysh e Mohammed is one of several militant groups supported by the Pakistani military. Pakistan says it has intensified its crackdown on militants in the wake of the Kashmir attack. The government announced earlier this month that it had taken control of 182 religious schools and detained more than 100 people, including Mr. Azhar's brother, as part of its push against banned groups such as Jaysh e Mohammed. In response, Mr. Azhar has denied government claims that he was seriously ill, ridiculed the government's assertion that it was truly cracking down, and warned that the crackdown would spark jihad across South Asia. He also goaded India in his regular column in Jaysh e Mohammed's Al Kalam Weekly. India's brain is not working. They are trying to threaten us. But are their threats making us scared? Certainly not. In fact, their threats encourage us. Their threats do the same trick as public appreciation does for a poet reciting his poetry, Mr. Azhar wrote. China, perhaps inadvertently, helped increase pressure on Pakistan to meet Fatah's requirements by voting this week in favor of a Security Council resolution that criminalizes funding of political violence and demands that all countries establish legal frameworks to counter the practice. The U.S. draft could force China to square its shielding of Mr. Azhar with its efforts to convince the international community that its brutal crackdown on Turkic Muslims in the troubled northwestern province of Xinjiang is key to its fight against political violence. China asserted in a white paper published this month that its counterterrorism policies in Xinjiang that amount to a frontal attempt to alter Islamic practices and involve the incarceration of up to one million people in re-education camps, dubbed vocational training facilities, were producing results. The paper claimed that the policies were in accordance with the rule of law and protecting human rights. Hundreds of thousands and possibly millions of Uyghurs are held against their will in so-called re-education camps, where they're forced to endure severe political indoctrination and other awful abuses, U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo said in a speech in Washington on Friday. Mr. Pompeo was speaking after meeting with a former detainee, Mihri Tursun, and three other Uyghur activists. Mrs. Tursun has spoken publicly about allegedly being abused and tortured in detention. The meeting and Mr. Pompeo's remarks 
came against the backdrop of moves in the U.S. Congress to out Chinese companies that facilitate the crackdown in Xinjiang. Major U.S. institutional investors have recently divested from Hikvision, the world's largest surveillance company that provides technology used in Xinjiang's re-education camps. China's predicament in squaring its protection of Mr. Azhar with the justification of its crackdown is unlikely to crack the Muslim world's wall of silence about what is happening to their Chinese brethren. Western pressure on China threatens to strike closer to home. To their credit, Pakistani Prime Minister Imran Khan and Indonesian President Joko Widodo have refrained from following in the footsteps of Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman and Kazakh Foreign Minister Beibut Atamkulov, as well as the Organization of Islamic Cooperation that all have endorsed China's crackdown. But Mr. Khan's repeated assertions over a period of months that he lacks information or knows nothing about the situation in Xinjiang, even if scores of Pakistani nationals have complained about the disappearance of spouses and other relatives, is wearing thin. Pakistani businessmen traveling last September to Beijing to petition for the release of their wives was headline news. Mr. Khan's insistence that I haven't heard about that is hardly a sustainable position. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. A written version of this podcast is on my blog, The Turbulent World of Middle East Soccer, at mideastsoccer.blogspot.com. Please join me for my next podcast in the coming days. All the best and take care.